What's up? What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 53 of The Overview. I'm Chamian B, and joining us today, or joining me today, of course, is Ben Fishsticks and Jason Kaplan. What's up, guys? Yo, yo. What's up, Chris? Not too much, up, man. Just, God, I hate people who just, just learn how to do their job at the market. I see people in bronze be able to do this job better. Literally every item. Bell pepper. Oh, sorry. What's the number on this one? Oh, okay. Avocado. What's this? Oh, suck it. So, All right, I'm here. So we've been obviously waiting on this guy who's been, who's been apparently a piggy at the market. But uh, I'm glad we're able to finally oh, start the show. Already. We just started the show. And I'm <laughs> That's like the worst the show ever. <laughs> All right. Well, you know, we've made jabs at German efficiency before on the show. Uh, biting you in the ass exist. there, Jason. Apparently not. Apparently not. It doesn't exist. It's I definitely guess. not rubbing off on you. That's for sure. Oh, man. Hey. All right. But anyways, Overwatch-wise, uh, we've got some good things to talk about. World Cup being the, the big thing that was announced this week. Uh, some possible events or something going on on April 11th, which we'll theorize about in a second. Uh, a little bit of news on a new hero. Uh, as well as some news regarding some teams, some players, and then, of course, events. Uh, we got a new event that was announced this week, Rivalcade, as well as a lot of action going on in the Overwatch Pit Championship. Uh, and then, lastly, a few questions from a, a lot of the fans that have emailed them in. And you can email your questions at theoverview at chainmanv.tv. Uh, so, anyways, let's start off with talking about a possible new event or something like a animated short something going on on april 11th uh i think recently we saw something posted on the facebook page which let me show you real quick we saw this video posted on the facebook page and, very uh, cryptic yeah as always right <laughs> so what do you guys think what do you, what do you think this is no idea. So we, we talked about this a little bit before the show started. It seems like Blizzard has been sticking to a very general cadence of release a new hero, release yeah. a new map, release in-game content like skins. So these things typically don't happen at the same time. Uh, they're, they're usually spread apart. So we got uh, Oasis. We got Orisa. I think we're due for a new uh, a new content drop uh, in the form of skins and, and sprays and stuff like that. So... That would be my guess, I, I, I guess. But also, you talked about the fact that this is very much related to King's Row mm -hmm. here. So, who knows? Maybe it, it could be like some kind of physical in-person event in London. That wouldn't surprise me at all. It could be some addition to the map. Like, maybe we're going to get a new lore point by just something happening within the map. Maybe a new, uh, maybe we'll get a uh, new cinematic and it'll relate to King's Row. Could be any of these things. We we have no idea. I think it's a new PVE event, like we saw Junk and Stiles Revenge. Hmm. I think it's gonna be something like that because it's like really? saying the Omics awesome. you have to like register and like watch the Omics go rogue and sort of fight, and you have to like do something involving that. Like I guess if you're on the Omics side or you're maybe on the the human side to do something. I don't know. I think it's like a new a gameish new game mode maybe for like fun or it's a PVE event. Okay, that, well that'd I, be good too. Everyone yeah. loves the PVEs. So far, I, I mean, if it's going to be PVE, I, I, I would hope that skins and stuff are, are accompanying it, given that you're going to have a big release like that. Um, one thing that they've typically done with events is it accompanies some type of real life event, right? Whether it's Olympic Games or Halloween, holiday, Christmas, or even Chinese New Year, Lunar, Lunar New Year. 
Right now, I don't know of any event that's happening in April. Do you guys know anything internationally or on April 11th? The start of spring? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. So if it is an event, maybe it's the first Overwatch unique event. You know, that's not has nothing to do with the real world. That that could be kind of cool. At least introduce that. They wouldn't be pressured at least to line up things with with real life uh, celebrations or holidays, anything like that. Um, but yeah, I'm hoping it's a PVE type of thing. We've already had a King's Row animation, you know, with uh, the Widowmaker one. Um, so. I don't, I don't know if they would choose that, given that they have so many other things that they could choose from. They would choose that again. Uh, hopefully it is some type of PvE. But we'll, I guess we'll, you know, we'll, we'll see. I'm sure they're going to drop some more stuff. It looks like there's some cryptic barcode-ish stuff that happens on the... Oh, really? The, the right. Do you see that? Look on the right. Look on the Uh-oh. right. Look, you see that? <laughs> not thing? this again. Yeah, see? Th- that is not text. I mean, that's obviously barcode, you know, barcode-ish type of things. So... Um, oh, man. We, we've got a... <laughs> Griffin from the Blizzard team is in chat just giving us a thinking emoji. So, <laughs> Oh, really? Okay. Uh, stirring things up. Thanks, okay. Griffin. I'm sure we'll know by the end of the day. At least a lot of people will start decrypting that aspect of it, and then we'll probably find out some more things. Other than that, underneath here, I can't really tell what this is right here. Can you guys tell right, right here? Uh, I don't know. I can't really tell. Well, it, it, looks like the control, it looks like a control panel. Uh type thing it is but uh, it's like it looks like train tracks maybe there something like that it's i'm trying to see if we can see anything else in this these pictures but uh we'll just leave it we'll i mean just... it's supposed to coincide with like apparently a heroes of the storm like big update right so oh okay oh that's, uh, that's all, i was reading into that and apparently there's like a big heroes of the storm update at the same time and like genji's hmm. the next hero in heroes of the storm so maybe there's like some sort of crossover oh. or something like that okay well genji doesn't really have much to do with King's Row. Well, I mean, just think about this way, though. Mm -hmm. The fact that now another game has to deal with how annoying of a hero Genji is. Not only us now in Overwatch, Heroes of the Storm has to deal with it. (laughs) Genji's totally balanced and a very well-designed hero. I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) We definitely have a Genji player here. (laughs) That's for sure. Um, All right, well, we'll see what happens. I'm sure in the subreddit, go check out r slash Overwatch for uh, probably the latest updates on what... The latest theories are theory crafting for what this is going to be. If not, just wait a week and then we'll know for sure. <laughs> we'll basically wait a week right before the show starts because it seems to always be released right before the show or right as we're doing the show. Uh, so uh, definitely check that out next week. Um, next, I think another bit of news is that Jeff Kaplan did an interview recently. Um, let me see. Let me show it to you guys. And he talked uh-huh. about the next hero. And that the next hero is actually far along in development and that they're currently working on the artwork and heavily playtesting it. So we might be seeing a new hero by summer, maybe early summer. That'd be pretty exciting given that, you know, Risa literally just just got dropped and potentially getting four heroes in a year. That'd be pretty sweet. What do you guys think? I mean, I'd hope for more than four heroes in a year, to be honest. Really? Okay. Like, League of Legends yeah. used to be one every two weeks, and now it's like one every couple months, but We're they still release like six, like five or six a year. I mean, considering Overwatch is in such an early state, more heroes is something that's like heavily needed. But I mean, this, is, this isn't this is like really news that the new exterior is far in development. Like they have multiple heroes being worked on at the same time, and they always have one like getting ready to go for the next one once one's released. So it's not really a big surprise, but 
they're probably not going to see the next hero for a while since Arissa still hasn't really been balanced too well, or at least to the way to see her played competitively often. Well, I mean, to your point, I think they're happening in parallel. So balancing Arissa is one thing, and you know, having who you know whatever design section of the design group work on the next character is uh, you know is this different thing. But it's pretty clear in this interview that they've already decided who who and what it is, and that's good. You know, that's definitely. Uh, like in a, a state where you're, you know, you're coming into the launch phase of it, and that, that's, uh, I think that's pretty exciting to see. I don't expect more than four. Like I, I would have been ecstatic to see more than four, but given just the the rate that we've seen, and just how they've yeah. been very cautious about balancing, I just didn't see that many coming out. It's been, uh, it's been every three months so far, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. We got Anna, Sombra, Arisa. Well, we did have May Genji Diva released at the same time, like yeah. in the close. Was that at the end of close beta, basically? Like those three heroes were released. So yeah, the BlizzCon. I don't know. Uh, yeah, yeah. I just I kind of hope there's more heroes because I'm tired of seeing like the same comps run every time. I don't know. Like, there's so many untapped. I think I said this last week. There's so many untapped potential skills to be to be made and put into the game into a new hero that can change the game pretty diversely. Like, I want to get to the point where. Okay, you see dive comp. All right, we need to run the specific comp to counter dive comp. Then they'll run a different comp to counter your comp. You just always is changing and switching. And the players who really excel are the players who get those ultimates online in time or make certain heroes work in a comp against like a counter. I don't know. Like I want to see more strategic depth into the game, and that requires more he- uh, heroes and a little bit more tweaking. No one's gonna argue against more heroes, but Jason, I will say. You're like, uh, uh, I don't want to see the same comps all the time, but it's a different same comp. If you don't, <laughs> that's right. That, that that's didn't right. make any sense at all. No, no, uh, there, there's but, a strong. Yeah, I know. You know we, we've that. got we've got like this. This <laughs> we're gonna talk plenty more about this. Believe me, when, when we talk about some of the events going on this week. But right now, it's like Winston, uh, Tracer, Pharaoh, yes, Mercy. Like this dive comp is so dominant. But you go you go three weeks, go back three weeks, and we weren't seeing this. So. Uh, yes, you're right. It, the, the 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 meta does seem to always be in a place where like most people are choosing. Like, there's really high pick rates for certain heroes, but it changes every three weeks. So, well, let me let me guess. Like, rephrase then. Like, I would love to see not one comp be better on ev- almost every single map at every single point than every other comp. Like, I would like to see a little bit more diversity in compositions when it comes a little bit more balance in terms of compositions. Obviously, you're gonna have one comp that's stronger at the time but eventually the way i would like it to like to see it get to is you have you know dive comp is really good on first point i involved and then you need to switch to like a little bit more of a tank heavy comp into the second phase or something like that and not be able to see teams run dive comp for an entire map and i just want a little, little bit more balance in composition so that makes sense i always understand that there would be one comp that's generally better though but and just, we, i don't know we, we see it from time to time it's not like we don't see this kind of switching comp it's just we don't see it to a level where you're switching five, you know, heroes or six heroes. We see it, you know, maybe they, they switch two heroes, right? Um, and a lot of times they switch one, which is just to counter something, you know, counter tracer. Like they they're just getting owned by tracer. Somebody finally plays McCree or something like that, you know, just to to mitigate it to some degree. Uh, but yeah, for the most part, we don't see that ever changing type of countering mid mid game, you know, mid series that eventually Overwatch will be, uh, and. That probably plays a lot into doing the hero pool, but I also think it still has to do with the players just not being familiar enough with enough characters too. I don't think we're to that point that we can say that we've maxed out the heroes 
because the players are limited right now. That's a good point, actually. Like we we, we talked about this a few weeks ago. And I know mm -hmm. Ben, you could definitely chime in about it. Like, if there is a need for one person to know like seven different heroes, it becomes harder to master each of those heroes to the level you need to play it at. Necessarily, like look at Shadowburn. If he had to play like eight different heroes in phase, then his Genji probably wouldn't be as good as it is. Yeah. And I, I guess one thing to, to ask too, to both, or at least I want to ask with you guys is when we're talking about esports and we're talking about, you know, seeing spectacular play and even just storylines and commentary, do you want to see somebody who specializes in a character and you can say is best in the world? And, you know, I think something analogous to that would be, you know, Taimu Widows and, you know, even Miro Winston's at times and Kaiser Reinhardt's. You know, do we want to see that type of thing? Or, I mean, is that easier to talk about than talking about somebody that's just constantly switching, like a flower or, or somebody along the lines of that? I, you know, originally I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have said so, but, you know, just the way that you framed it, you're, you're totally right that it's Miro's Winston that people talk about. It's, it's Hoxall's Genji. It's Taimu's uh, Bakri and Widowmaker, you know, it, it's so far it does seem like people get really well known when they they specialize but uh i don't i don't think it'll, it's gonna hurt the storylines like super long term i think that's just kind of the game's so young that people only have gotten to that level at a, at a certain number of heroes at this point so um yeah i mean i personally see like two different things there where you have the infamous player Taimu on his McCree or Widowmaker, and then you have Tavik who can play basically anything to like the highest level, not necessarily like transcend the highest level to be like a Taimu Widowmaker, but you see different skill sets between the two of being able to play a certain hero so damn well that you run a comp specifically to support that person on that hero, or you have a player who can fit into any composition anytime. And I think yeah. there's like just two different ways to become or to be, to be able to transcend and have people call you a Widow player or a Flex player mm -hmm. or something like that. Yeah, I, I guess it would be something analogous in um, more traditional sports like a basketball team. Like, the, like these basketball teams that are known more for team play, like the Spurs have been in the past versus, you know, say the Cavs that have a bunch of giant big-name players. And both of them can win championships and both of them can succeed, but one of them definitely gets a lot more hype and, and a lot more publicity than the other. So it's just, I guess, whatever character or culture you know, your specific team is. Um, so, so yeah, it'll be it'll just be great to at least have that option, and I think that's the point that we were um, all trying to make there. Um, okay, next bit of news. Let's why don't we move on. Uh, we've got World Cup 2017. So that was definitely the biggest uh, bit of news that was announced this past week, and the World Cup is quite different, and they've made what I would call improvements to the entire process and. Even just uh, the number of countries that qualify for it, and, and they actually have a specific uh, process for doing that. So the top 32 countries um, that have the highest average SR, uh, I guess, is it for the top 100 players? Yes, for the top 100 players too, uh, will qualify for the World Cup event. Uh, so there's this collectiveness in terms of national, you know, just from your nation and stuff, to try to become generally the the most skilled. Overwatch nation so that you at least even qualify for this event and um, it's, It looks like the series will be for live group events uh, well, Wait before we get to that yeah. before we get to that we should talk about with those hundred players about the whole Council that gets made for those hundred. Oh, players. yeah I was gonna get to that in a second, but I kind of placed uh, them in the wrong order. That's my bad. Yeah, no, that's okay uh, we, we can talk about that. So another thing that they they uh, came up with at least the concept of having a national committee 
So this would be something similar to like an Olympic committee that we see, you know, in again in sports, and um, this would be selected by uh, I think there's nominees, Blizzard. right? Yeah, it would be it would be by Blizzard, and um, I think there's nominees though, right? No, like even with the yeah, so committees. So they'll select up to 10 nominees per eligible country with expertise in the field, including analysts, coaches, right. statisticians, and other authorities in the Overwatch eSports community. And then those players from there will vote on who they want to see in the roster for their nation. Right. And then once those are selected, th I think the three people will be selected. And from there, those three people will, will select the, the team that will be representing the nation. And, you know, I think the point of that is just not to make it a popularity vote, kind of uh, what it was last year. It wasn't completely a popularity vote, but there was a lot of a lot of that aspect integrated into the whole process, which was fine because, you know, it was, it was supposed to be more of a fun event. And, you know, it got everybody hyped, too, and everybody involved and, and, and interactive and all that stuff. But this time around, I feel like it's more about really making it a competitive event, seeing which country really is truly the best country. Absolutely. And. As amazing as the Overwatch World Cup was last year in terms of the hype, the viewership, the storylines, everything, it, it was great. It was easily the best event we've had in Overwatch so far in terms of all of those things. The production value was great. There was one big blemish, in my opinion, which was teams like France got completely <laughs> royally shafted. Yeah, France, yeah. you know, the French, the French national team could potentially be the best in the world right now. I mean, it's literally the rogue squad. You could basically just take that squad and that, <laughs> that would be the French Nationals team. They're a very good team. They could probably beat any other national team in the world outside. Uh, you know, there's only a handful of teams that can actually compete at that level. Uh, and they just got completely screwed over uh, in terms of uh, the players that they had on their team, basically because of the voting system. So looks like Blizzard did understand that well, and they looked at feedback and they, they decided to adjust it this time. So in theory, that shouldn't be the case anymore. And to me, this just makes it all the more exciting. Um, first of all, I, I think it's a I think it's a good call to use your SR rating to define who's going to make the cut. Uh, it's going to encourage all the pros to be playing ranked uh, when they can, uh, which you know helps the whole community and less Smurfs action. Yes, less Smurfs. Yes, yes, yes. Fantastic benefit of that. That's a good point. <laughs> uh, I think. Expanding to 32 countries is, can only be good. I think that's awesome. We're going to see 32 teams and countries from around the world. Uh, and, you know, 32, like, you're going to have a lot of, like, probably teams that are no name to go in to the event. But then after the event, you, you see new players and teams and uh, emerging from that, as we did see from guys like Mickey from the Thailand team, mm -hmm. who now plays for Envious. So that's going to be awesome as well. And it's just exciting because... Think about the teams that are going to be competing. You're going to have an all-star USA team, Canada team, France, Sweden, Finland, Korea, Russia. All, all these teams did pretty well last year, except uh, not Canada so much. But uh, it's just going to its like it's going to be really exciting. Like any of those teams could beat any other one, most likely. Uh, so uh, I, I can't wait. I can't wait. I'm so, so glad that they're expanding on this model. What's even more sick in my opinion about this that makes me actually enjoy the whole idea of what they have is that it's not like a popular vote from a country that can like band together and choose friends that shouldn't be in there or right. or, or the likes you have analysts you have coaches you have statisticians you have people chosen by blizzard outside like you know the, the tf2 boys or or you, you know what i mean like like um 
a click. I mean, there's... people outside that click to help influence the vote. Obviously, yeah. the click will kind of choose the better players <laughs> in in general, but still, you could have like people choosing their friends or wanting to choose their friends and get people to vote for the friends because they want to have them come to BlizzCon. You know, um, so I, I like the way that they're including other people. I'm assuming, to be honest, that like being in Germany and a part of Germany that I would actually be one of the ten people. For I, I don't I don't know if I'm if I'm since I'm American if I'm counted as German or not or what? whatever. Like a lot of casters have potential to be chosen to 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 be wait, a wait, part wait, of wait, this wait, whole wait. selection process. Wait 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 are you are you making wait are you making yourself a German now all of a sudden? I wait, know wait, what, plenty what of people last year. I know plenty of people last year that were from one country living in another country and they got offers for both countries to participate in the World Cup and they had to choose which one did they want to go for. So I don't know there might be a chance. That I could actually I play on Germany if I'm good enough, but it won't happen. Um, <laughs> I, I, but I would imagine that because, like, I'm in Germany, I know a lot more of the German players, and will have a chance to like give my expertise in who should be on the team, kind of thing. Yeah, I don't know. I, 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 I didn't honestly, even think I about think that. A lot of to casters, be like ZP Hex, they'll probably be talked to, probably be part of like the, the the council to choose North American uh, players. Like, I, I see no reason at all. Like, even AlphaCast, who participated last year. There's a lot of the French players will probably be on the council. Um, yeah, I don't know. That's what I'm, I'm thinking that at least. Who knows? Well, well I mean, like Alphacast, that makes sense because he's French. But it, like, I I would think that you would, you know, not to ruin any opportunities for you, Jason. Bro, but, don't ruin but, my hopes. But, but I, I can hit that SR. I can hit that citizenship to to be qualified for these things. I, no, I see, would I know guess. people last year who didn't have. I know, but that's last year, and they that, still got picked. I mean, that's. Shh. <laughs> I would think you would need to just I mean it would just be more you know in line with this whole nationalism thing and it would make more sense but to your original your first point which is it's going to be less political and less clicky and all that stuff that's true there's still a chance of it there's there's no way to make a, a you know just some kind of process that's eliminates that completely but it will definitely be you know, less likely than it was before. And just way better than just popular vote. Obviously, you know, having content makers be a representative of your team and things like that. Um, at least from a competitive standpoint. They had, there was a reason why they did last year and, and it made sense. Um, taking a look at this rating, this uh, this ranking, any surprises to you guys or this is what you pretty much expected? Uh, well, obviously... Uh, actually, where's the link for the... Okay. I'm surprised actually oh, okay, United okay. Kingdom was so high. Yeah, yeah, so that, here's that the part thing, guys. Surprised me too. This is based on the average SR of the top 100 players on the ladder. So it's going to bias teams that have, or excuse me, it's going to bias towards countries that have more active players. It's also going to bias towards better countries, but the sheer number of people in your pool really, really matters here. So on one hand, yeah, you don't, Canada should not be that high, most likely. Like Finland should be probably a lot higher. Russia should probably be a lot higher. Uh, but I don't hate this model because it's it does kind of bias towards the bigger communities as well. So like USA probably doesn't like if, if you're going to do a power rankers, power rankings, <laughs> just throw Sweden, it out there. France, man. South Korea, those would be top three. Like, I don't think anyone could argue against that. Maybe maybe Finland uh, could make that top three. Maybe Russia could make that. Top. But the fact that Russia's number three, excuse me, the fact that USA is not uh, number three is a good thing. I mean, USA is going to have a lot of fans. It's good to have USA with high ranking 
Uh, and, and, you know, there's no other really, really good way of doing this anyway. Like, I, I don't know how else they do this other than base it off average SR of top players. So I'm totally fine with this model, even though you could certainly argue USA, Canada, UK shouldn't be quite as high as they are. Uh, I think this is fine, in my opinion. It, it gives the, you know, the nations as a whole something to kind of, you know, come together and try to achieve. That's the part I like about this. Um, can you manipulate? I mean, there's ways to obviously manipulate or, or play a ton and, and uh, you know, just overvalue yourselves in this kind of ranking system. But overall, I think it, it does work well. And we're talking about the stuff at the top. Stuff at the top doesn't even matter, guys. What matters is right here. <laughs> this is what matters in this 32, 33, 34 area. Yeah, good and, point. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, these these countries are going to be fighting it out, and they're look so at, close. Oh, I mean, look, look at Israel for me. Look at, look at Israel for me. I'm where's, curious. Where's, where's Israel on this one? 24. Uh, 24. Okay. They're in there. So, in there. holy smoke. Yeah, Israel has the number one, I don't know if he's still number one at the moment, number one EU-ranked player with a cafe who played last year for Israel. Who's like dragging them up super hard at like four point six k or four point seven k or something ridiculous? <laughs> and this is like mass. Their average is the masters, right? So it's it's interesting to see how what what the range is actually for the top hundred. I think that would be kind of interesting to see too. Not just the median, but the uh, how how low it goes for the top hundred. Because I would have assumed that everybody would have been in, you know, uh, maybe not grandmasters, but the masters and above. Right, and you don't quite see that at the at least at the bottom. Well, actually, you see thirty five hundred above. Yeah, I guess they're all masters, just masters. Uh, yeah, top five hundred, but you know, or sorry for top hundred, but barely. Yeah. Hey right. Ben, let's go move to the Philippines. We have a chance. <laughs> there you go. We, can there go. Go. Is, we have to push the average SR up enough to. All right, the top 20. All right, let's go to, let's go to United Arab Emirates. New Zealand's so. easier, man. You can speak English. You can Actually, just New Zealand is beautiful, so let's accent. go there. Yeah, I easy. wonder how the internet is, though. You just need 10. Jason, you can affect that, right? 10. It's like literally 10. <laughs> I, I'm sad to look at Estonia. Like, Valotaj is from Estonia. You have um, Ukraine, which like houses quite a few really yeah. good Eastern European players. And a lot. I mean, those alone could make a team that could compete easily with the top 10. And yet they might not even have a chance to compete because their average SR isn't high enough. Yeah, and and those listening on the I, I um on the podcast right now, uh, what we're talking about are the people ranked at thirty, you know, thirty through I don't know thirty or thirty through forty because thirty two teams make it right. So, talking Switzerland, Austria, United Arab Emirates, New Zealand, Hungary, Czech Republic, Romania, Ukraine, Chile, Estonia, Saudi Arabia. And there's more below it, but those are just the ones I would say in that that crazy range that's possible to get number 32. It's pretty exciting. Um, but- I feel like we're going to see a train of pro players duoing with like lower ranked people in their own country just to drag their yeah, average yeah, SR yeah. up. This is the first game, <laughs> Five this is the first go. portion of the exactly. Overwatch World Cup. It's going to be everyone trying their best, their absolute best, uh, to to try and bring up their whole country's rating one <laughs> one game at a time. I wonder if we're going to see and a lot of right? like that. Like, yeah. Are we going to see six IQs trying to raise the SR average of their team? That'd be really interesting. Probably. That brings everybody together. It's it's cool in a way. It's fun, kind of a little bit of a messing with the ladder in a way too. But at least it's only at the top. It's not messing. I think in anything else um, in the, I guess the more popular ranges on the ladder. Uh, anyways, really exciting. Uh, it looks like voting will be starting in twenty days, or qualification ends in twenty days. 
or 21 days, and then voting will be um, shortly after that. So uh, definitely be keeping up with this, obviously here on this show. And I'm excited, you know, it, it's it's cool that they, you know, when, I know they were asking around, I know, I'm sure they asked all, you know, asked me, I'm sure they asked you guys too, just your opinion on, on how to do World Cup better. And it looks like they came up with something good. So props to them for doing that. And I'm sure this will be at BlizzCon again, right? Yeah, it looks like playoffs. Yeah, it's it'll been be announced. So. Yeah, yeah. The so. finals will be there. But I mean, there's still some format we could talk about. Yeah, um, there's so kind of skipped over that. We have to go back yeah. to. Um, so there's four live group stage events yeah. in Europe, North America, and Asia. So th- out of those three regions, they're going to be doing four events total. I don't know. I don't think it's four within each region. I think it's just four in total. So like probably one for Europe, one for North America, and like two for Asia. Um, and then you'll see what lab qualifiers in groups of eight. And at each group stage event, we'll see eight national teams going head to head for a full week. That's what's crazy, right? Mm-hmm. It's a live qualifier, but being played out over a week and each team going head to head, like round robin group stage. That's, that's a ton of games and a ton Dude, of content. That's going to be awesome, man. Yeah. I can't, oh my God, I can't wait. Well, we had two, was it two or three days of games during BlizzCon last time for the group stage? And then it moved into BlizzCon, which was one day. So like, yeah, there's a lot of games to be played that everyone's going to love to watch. Well, it looks like, is it, is this right? The only the finals is played at BlizzCon? Uh, yeah, yeah, that's what it says. Oh man, I was hoping there'd be more than that. With the top two finishers automatically qualifying okay, no, for the maybe finals. It's like okay, th- there's probably yeah, eight teams. Okay, eight yeah. teams. That's I, gonna be would, great. Yeah. What else would they do? At I know they, they can't really fill know. that event if I mean they, they have like one, like two hours. That's it. That'd really be crappy. So eight teams at at World Cup will be great. They'll probably have it both days, and that'll be plenty to watch when you're there in the mini stadium that they always have at BlizzCon. So it'll be a lot of fun for sure. All right, another bit of Blizzard news here. I think, Ben, did you add this? You had this, right? Um, I did, yes. Let me see. So, cheat makers. <laughs> uh, Overwatch has, uh, or Overwatch cheat makers have been told to pay $8.6 million to Blizzard. So, I'm assuming they're, they've been sued for yeah, copyright yeah. infringement. <laughs> yeah, a little, little international uh, legal intrigue there. California court orders German form Bossland to pay $8.6 million to Blizzard for copyright infringement because they are altering the game code without a license to do so. That's the uh, legal way that they're going about it. But let's be honest, whenever a cheat maker gets squashed, everyone wins. Everyone rejoices, That's except true. for the tiny, tiny, tiny uh, portion of people that cheat. By the way, I don't. I haven't seen any cheaters recently. I think I've had one game where one guy looked suspicious, and other people on my team were like, "Okay, oh, he's definitely a cheater," but I didn't see any conclusive evidence. And that 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 was like literally once in the last month. I don't know, Jason. Are you seeing any cheaters out in EU? No, not really. Uh, there was yeah. one like last season called Israel, but that's basically it. I think I mean, uh, a lot of the cheaters may be in Korea, but either way. This is a win-win for everybody. There was a post, though, on like our Overwatch today of some guy apparently just DDoSing people to get his rank up, and he's like, he's top 500 with it. I don't know if you guys saw that today. He's yeah. like literally calling out in the middle of the game, all right, I'm disconnecting Reinhardt in two seconds, and then one, two, and then he gets kicked out of the game. So uh, maybe maybe that's the next step. Get the DDoSer. That's pretty bad, <laughs> yeah, to be able to... I mean, that sounds like that, that what was going on in Korea, right? Like that, that type of just disconnecting other people and, and really ruining games in that way, more so than tools that just help you aim and, and aim bots like that. 
Well, regardless of what it is, they're cracking down on it. You know, seems to be making a difference, at least uh, in, in terms of the volume of cheats out, cheaters out there. And yeah, just keep going at it, man. Whoever, whatever team, the security team or the, I don't know what team that would actually involve in the, the Blizzard side of things. Just keep at it, doing a good job. <laughs> um, I saw a post today, um, like within our own company, um, about this actually, about the cheaters being banned. And apparently, really? like, this company has tons of lawsuits against it, but none of them are actually really moving forward, if I'm not mistaken. I, I saw it. I'm trying to find it right now, so I'm looking away from the camera. Um, maybe I'll find it in a little bit. But, yeah, like, apparently they have a lot of lawsuits, but none of it's actually being just um, well, dealt with. Leave it to the, uh, the multi-billion dollar company to, you know, put their legal team to action here. Yeah. They'd be bored otherwise. <laughs> you gotta, gotta do something. All those lawyers just sitting around. We don't want them twiddling their thumbs, of course. Um, okay, well, anyways, why don't we uh, move on to some news, some player and team news here. Uh, we've only got a couple things, but um, hold on, let me change the heading here. We have something with, with Envious that came out. It was an interview with uh, Harry Hook, to, I believe it was. Let me bring it up. Yeah, it was Harry Hook on, what site is this? Just so I can, it looks like, it's Reddit, but it's like Zataka? his Twitter. Yeah, well, it was on a, a Spanish site, I believe, Zataka, and um, the uh, the Reddit thread translated a, a bit. Oh, okay. But um, a few things came up here. You know, um, the biggest thing to take, I think, from the article was that they're trying to figure out the best way to um, adapt to what's going on right now in the meta game, and it looks like they're going to need to mix some things up. You know, whether it's move people to different roles, have you know, maybe Mickey play something else or have Harry Hook go back to Lucio. There's like a lot of different things that can happen. Uh, even the mention of maybe pick it, picking up a seventh player, which it sounds like they don't really want to do, but the option's on the table too. And, you know, this is something that we talked about maybe a couple weeks ago too, just in terms of Envy and when they got knocked out of Apex really quickly and just even the current meta not matching up to what their roster presents. Uh, are you guys surprised about this? Are you surprised that um, they're trying to make some internal changes first, or do you, do you even think it's possible with their current roster? Uh, not surprised at all. I mean, this is something we talked about explicitly on the show. First of all, we haven't seen Envious join any tournaments recently. There's probably a reason for that. Obviously, they were just in Korea. I know Taimu just made his way back to North America the other day, so perhaps it was just they're all flung across the world and not in, the, not in North America together. Uh, but it, it seems like, you know, they, they've been off the grid for a little while since getting knocked out of OGN. Uh, but, yeah, absolutely. The, their, their, their team was perfect for the standard meta composition of last, uh, of, of, well, I guess the previous meta, uh, where Taimu was fitting really, really nicely into the Roadhog role. Uh, and, of course, we saw D.Va 24-7 all day coming out of Mickey. Uh, now that we're favoring these dive comps. Who's going to play Winston in this comp? Is it going to be Mickey? You know, who, who's going to be playing Winston? If Mickey's playing Winston, then who's going to be playing Genji? Who's going to be playing Thera? Yes, Taimu can play Tracer, but it's not like it's his bread and butter. So it totally makes sense that they're looking to add someone else to this roster, a seventh man, which is something we've talked about on the show as well. Uh, and I, I got to say, I think I called it on this show that Mickey would be going towards the projectile role because we've seen his Genji. It's pretty good. We've seen it on, on stream, I think, maybe once or twice in pro matches. Uh, but I think seeing Mickey 
go the route of, of doing more and more projectile work, maybe playing Farah, maybe playing Genji. He could play Tracer as well. Uh, makes a lot of sense. Uh, but then the question is, who, who are they swapping in? Who are they swapping out? Uh, there was some talk of Harry Hookie, maybe even going back to Lucio. Mm -hmm. Then potentially if they add a seventh man, would that be Internet Hulk sitting the bench for somebody else to come in and play Winston? Or is he going to go back to Winston? Um, so a lot of, lot of open questions, but ultimately not surprised at all to, to see this. I mean, they verified the weakness like that we already knew they had was no projectile player. And he says even in the interview that like Taimu and him cannot play it. They can play it, but not at the high level that they need to. And we were always wondering, when are they going to have a Genji player? And, I mean, the times we have seen it, it wasn't really spectacular. So, I don't know. This is a question we've had, right? Remember when Lunatic yeah. Kai picked up two players? They picked up Zumba and Who Are You? And they still had uh, Tasia and Dean in the team. And we were asking, like, are they going to leave Who Are You as a specialist for Genji and then just rotate him in when they need him? Or are they going to um, try to have, like, a sub to come in whenever they, they kind of need to mix someone into the, the team? I don't know. I feel like I'm actually glad that they're looking at changing roles instead of picking up a sudden player as like the go-to thing or like just trading someone out because the team at its core has worked. So you don't want to just kind of get rid of something that, that's already worked for you before. Just figure out what's going wrong and maybe change things up. Maybe allow Mickey to just focus on projectile. Like have him be that player they need and see if it can work out. Yeah. I mean, definitely the chemistry that they have is great. So I agree with you. I'm glad that they're looking internally first. And I'm hopeful that they can figure it out. But, man, when you compare it to the, some of those Korean teams right now, you know, and you're looking at just even projectiles, even if Mickey can play Genji to, to a certain level, I don't think it's to the level as the Hawks and the Who Are Yous and, and just the superstars that we see in, in the, you know, just the Korean Apex League right now. Uh, so I, I think that with Envious, I mean, Envious has always been you know, successful in a lot of ways based on strategy, based on working as a team and things like that. But to a certain point, that's going to come to an end. You know, like you're going to need individual, you know, just the best players in the world together working as a team to be able to compete against these teams. But, uh, you know, that window, I think, is not closed completely yet. And we can still see Envious do well. I just think that event, they'll have to reevaluate some of their roster sometime in, in the near future to, to really compete against the Korean teams. At least that's Agreed. my opinion. <laughs> yeah. uh, all right, so next up we've got a, an AMA from one of the uh, players off of the Korean team Runaway, Kaiser. And is Kaiser the... Wait, who's officially the captain of Runaway? Is it Runner or is it... It's Runner, right? That's the official captain of that team, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Let's Anyways, say, yeah, yeah Ky Kaiser is their tank player. They're um, the Reinhardt, and in my opinion, best Reinhardt in the world. Uh, he did an AMA, which uh, led to a few things that were very, very interesting. Uh, one thing that uh, that was interesting to me that we don't actually have listed here in the notes is that, he, you know, before their recent run or just just the Apex runs that they had, he was playing. He didn't even have a computer at home. He was playing at internet cafes, you know, or PC banks, to, and and that was his only way of playing Overwatch. And it's amazing that he can get so good just playing playing at, at cafes like that. Um, also, I think you put here that he he was never interested in being a pro. It was just kind of like more of a hobby. Uh, but what are some of the things that you guys thought were interesting from the AMA? Well, killing uh, me, Chad. Man. Yeah, there's, there's <laughs> even, even more. Well, even more from. Uh, uh, what we talked about last week with Runner just being like this superhero of esports, uh, motivating his team. 
that's that was good to see more corroboration for that storyline. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, it's crazy to, that he's playing in a in a PC cafe. It's uh, something we've actually. Okay, this is only tangentially related, but Korean esports infrastructure is what makes them so good. It's the team houses, the coaches, uh, the work ethic, the cultural acceptance for esport in general. Uh, so very recently, we've started to see some StarCraft Two pros who are teamless and with, not in a team house winning GSLs. Uh, so yes. it's the, the mold is finally starting to be broken a little bit. Uh, it sounds like in esports in general in Korea, where you don't necessarily have to be part of one of those huge orgs to uh, make a name for yourself. So I mean, if anything, that kind of stands out to me here. Okay, <laughs> Jason. Anything the to add? I mean, anything I, to add? No, because you took my points. <laughs> I put those in there for me. I didn't even look at it, but those are actually the things that I were I was thinking about too. But I mean, now now that I'm looking at the points, I realize yeah, a lot of that, a lot of the things that we had the same thoughts on. Um, okay, I'll bring up another point. Bad. I'll bring up another point, just that's not exactly related to the AMA, but it's something I was thinking about, which is, um, you know, I, I think right now we're seeing just the uh, the esports center at least from the standpoint of top play and where people want to go to practice being in korea right now and we we've seen this happen before we see this happen in league of legends we historically seen in starcraft 2 where you have to go there and play on the ladder and play and scrim these teams to raise your level of play because you know whatever region you're in you're not able to do that now my question to you guys is is just this the beginning of forever I mean, are, are we are we already there? Are we already to the point where all of our teams are going to be flying over there and doing boot camps and and maybe even living over there after a while? Because I oh, that kills me if that's our if that's the case because it just means we're going to see them less here, and that really really sucks. Well, I mean, OW League, who knows? Yeah, true. Okay. <laughs> Everything hinges on OW League, so which uh, I mean, we're getting closer and closer. Well, but even with OW League, let's just say we have a North American region. Sure, they're going to be playing games here and, and, and all that kind of business. But uh, and that's good. That you know, from the standpoint as a, as a fan and a spectator, we'll get to see them playing NA matches against NA teams. But in terms of practice, will they still be going over to Korea and scrimming those teams, knowing that they're the best teams? And and you know, will they even scrim? Like, will the Korean teams even scrim them in that in those particular cases? I'm yet to see any evidence that the Korean teams are unequivocally the best. I think if you look at North America and Europe and you put them these two regions together, mm -hmm. there are so many pros right now. Like there, there are enough pros. Uh, there are currently already probably a dozen top tier North America. If you add all of Europe and North Americans best teams together, you could probably have a dozen plus that you could call like true pro teams. Uh, obviously, Korea, there's quite a few really, really talented teams as well. But I, I think the talent pool is big enough globally that that won't necessarily have to be how it's done. It's it's how you had to do it in, uh, sorry, in StarCraft 2, probably League of Legends as well. Uh, but I don't think we're quite there yet with, with Overwatch. I think... I don't know, I, I maybe disagree. I think Korean teams are going to be like generally better than most of the western teams but not necessarily just in terms of skill but in terms of like if you set a day and a time with a of a scrim with them they're going to be there on that day at that time 
They're not going to be like 10, 15 minutes late or cancel on you last second. They're going to be there to practice. And that's something that Korean teams, I think, will always do better than Western teams. Practice, they won't leave you hanging necessarily. They, they treat practice like practice. They treat it like it's a serious thing instead of just screaming around for fun. Um, I think that's something that most teams really can't get in the Western world. Like The amount of scrims I hear canceled from teams is, is frustrating. I wonder if there will be a time where they just won't scrim with anybody. You know, like if you're the best team, if you, let's say you're a Korean team and you're you're the best team in the world, and you know, scrimming other Korean teams that's one thing, but having a Western team come over here, I guess outside of the companies doing dealings themselves, and maybe you know there maybe there's some kind of money dealings themselves to arrange this type of um, practice, goodwill type of practicing. I just, I mean, I think that at some point that stops. Because it's a competitive game. You want to be the best. Like, why would you, you know, why would you help your your this other team try to get better by you know sharing tactics or even just helping them improve in any way? Already saw that happen in China with APEC. There was a certain team not practicing with a certain team because they felt like there was nothing they could learn from them. So like, yeah. all right, well, we're not going to help you when we get nothing out of it. So no. Yeah, uh, we saw that happen a couple times. Not going to name any teams, obviously, but yeah, that, that's the part that worries me. It's like. It's worrisome because that could just stop, and you know the the teams could just be. I mean, I mean, if there's nothing, I guess, in home or in house or just in North America, for instance, there's no type of network here that can um, you know develop you know to to get these teams into the highest the highest level of play. Then we could see a future that could be dominated by a lot of the Asian teams for a while. And I don't know, that future is a little bit scary for me because I, I don't know, I, I don't want to see necessarily what happened in, you know, that we've seen in League of Legends where it's just like, yeah, sure, we have regionalization, but, you know, we saw the Asian teams just dominate for a long time, you know, and um, it, it took a lot of those teams going over there and, and boot camping and things like that, but that was probably made available by the organizations. I'm going to hold true to my, to my uh, pride, I guess, maybe that North America and Europe are going to be okay in this global battle. I think okay. I think we're going to be okay. I think we have a lot, if you look at the history of uh, FPS esports, Quake, Counter-Strike, so on. Mm -hmm. yep. uh, the West has traditionally uh, had a had a major edge over Asia. There's only been a handful of Asian teams and players that have made big marks on any of those games. So, I think given the background, the you know, the last 10 years of esports you know, we have a we have a fighting chance here. I, I believe. I believe. Okay. Um, all right. So another bit of news that we have is Grego is officially a free agent now. So his Cloud Nine contract has officially expired. Um, I know Grego was already trying to set up another team at one point. You know, like yeah. we, we talked about, we had him on the show. Actually, that was like a while ago. Yeah. So. Um, you know, this is no surprise. I mean, he's he's pretty much not been affiliated with C9 for a while now. So, yep. uh, any thoughts on Grego? Could you see him being a good fit anywhere? Uh, this is not really major news at all because he's already been looking for another team for a while. I just kind of threw it in uh, simply because Grego's like super good, man. Have you seen this? Like, this is he's, he's legitimately one of the best Lucios in the game, I believe. Uh, so I, I'm almost, I'm just surprised that he hasn't found a team yet. I don't know what it is. We we were all kind of postulating, thinking, oh, maybe maybe he'll end up on this NRG roster. Which no offense <laughs> oh to Ajax, God. no offense oh to Ajax. God. I don't really know the guy, 
But this NRG roster is already the most star-studded roster you could ever have. If they had Grego be play the Lucio role for that team, like my God, that 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 would—they're already going to be one of my favorite teams to watch. That would have made it even more so. So, just uh, you just might as well just build out. a team based on followers, <laughs> and that's what, that's what it seems like they're doing. <laughs> yeah. No, I just I, want to see Grego get a team, so give I do him a too. shout out. No, he is a fantastic Lucio, and you know, we've been seeing him you know, just with some of the content he's been, been showing too. It's he is amazing. He's been amazing for a long time. There's been no question about that. Jason, any thoughts on that? Any thoughts on Grego? Not really. Okay. No. I mean it's been kinda of known he wasn't on the Cloud9 roster when he was in Korea. Yeah. But just kinda of sucks he hasn't been able to bounce back. Um but then again, there's not really a shortage of talent in North America, so we see a lot of teams come up out of nowhere and really surprised. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay, events. We've got a new event that was announced this past week called Rivalcade. And I don't know about you guys, but for me, it just came out of nowhere. I just like was, wow, okay, another North American event. <laughs> Might as well just pile on, just have them even overlap a little bit. And uh, this is the Overwatch Rumble. It's, uh, it's definitely a combination of invited teams and, and there's a qualifying round too. And the invited teams are... Eight of the teams that you'll recognize, the Envious, Rogue, um, Immortals, let's see, Complexity, Cloud9, Luminosity, and Splice. Is that right? Did I forget yep. anybody? Uh, I think I got... <coughs> Selfless, oh, Splice, Renegades. Complexity, Cloud9. No, Renegades isn't in oh, there. No, no, Renegades is not on there. Um, Immortals, in Envious, Rogue, Eeple. Yeah. So... A lot of the top teams, the biggest, I think the biggest teams to really talk about are C9 and Envious here. Uh, given that finally, have, yeah, finally, finally, we're going to see one of these events. So, um, and who knows what uh, if there will be any roster shakeups for either team? I've been hearing rumors. I don't really, know. for Cloud9 too? I, I, I don't know. <laughs> You're going to mention that and not say anything? Okay, I, I don't have any details. <laughs> all right, all right. But, is it just uh, me, or is it where to see complexity in there? Complexity? Yeah, complexity and even splice. Like complexity. Uh, oh, should they be there? I love them so yeah. much. I honestly do. But what team can't beat complexity right now? Well, like they went zero and in five pitch, in their group. In pit championship is basically no team. <laughs> even CLG beat, beat them, team. the team we haven't heard of since E League. Like I personally don't think they should be there. I, I feel like there's way more teams that deserve a chance. Um, like for instance, you have. What phase clan? Renegade. Yeah, Rene Renegades. Yeah, Renegades. Yeah. Mm -hmm. LG Loyal, maybe, maybe Liquid. Um, Splice. Like I can't remember the last time I really heard of them playing. I don't even know who's on the roster. Anymore. I know Graceful's with them. Splice had a decent run in maybe a couple tournaments ago, but yeah, they're they're they haven't had huge results either. Oh right, right, right. So the Splice team is uh, Baby Bay, Michael, yeah. Graceful's, Irimix, Meteoris, and Pure. So. That should be interesting. At least uh, it's a team we haven't seen in a while uh, with this roster. So that should to, be good. To your but point, yeah, I totally yeah. agree. I would have liked to see uh, FaZe, who we haven't seen much of lately. Uh, yeah, I would love to see a couple other teams as well running like, I'm not hating on them, but like Complexity just literally has not had the results lately to be given an invite over some of these other teams. Yeah, and I think a lot of it still has to do with past history with Complexity because it's been three events now that they had they haven't performed well and this one is the worst which we're about to talk about in a second with the pit championship and it's 
time for a change. I mean, I, I was even, I mentioned it maybe in a, in a month ago that I'm wondering if they're taking a look at that. This was around the time where when Hammers was um, being, I think, uh, wooed by other uh, other organizations where Jake was talking about. And he was mentioned that some big brands were, were taking a look at them too. So um, I think with complexity, it might be it might be time to reevaluate their their current roster and make some big changes. Uh, but anyways, getting on with the revival uh, Revival Cade, the Overwatch Rumble. Uh, the prize pool is 10000 and uh, there's a qualifier that's going to be April 18th that starts, and I'm not sure how you sign up for it. Is there a sign-up anywhere on this page? You can go to RivalCades.com and just look up the o OW Rumble, and you'll find it. You can you can click on one of the tabs. OW Rumble is one of the tabs, and they'll, well, actually, they'll give you full you details. Know, this is pretty interesting. Okay, I, I actually missed this, uh, Chan, man. But yeah, uh, yeah we're going to have open qualifier. It's going to actually have eight teams advancing from it. So yeah. you've got eight invited teams, and then there's eight more slots. So we could, in theory, still see Renegades. Yeah. Exactly. We could, in theory, still see all those teams we just talked about. Uh, I mean, cool. We'll just yeah. have to play through an open bracket. We yeah, like we will. It's just it just annoys me that they have to qualify over some teams who should have to qualify. I don't know. Are these based on the critical. rankings? I haven't looked at the rankings in a long time. Maybe Complexity is still ranked high on this on the whatever the Ghost through Gamer rankings. But it is odd at this point that some these two teams were chosen. Regardless, you know, we'll see how they do and we'll hopefully we'll see some of the other ones get through the gauntlet. That's the qualifiers. And this event should be cool. You know, just more things to fill before Overwatch League is never a bad thing. Um, okay, well, let's move, let's move on to the Pit Championship, which uh, has been the tournament that's been going on the last few weeks. Uh, we, we talked about EU a little bit last week. With, uh, Jason, give us an update on that. And this last week, we had uh, the start of the NA groups go, um not quite. Are they finished now? Let me see. Let me see what the standings are. NA Group A is done. But okay, NA Group B A is done. Okay, so Group B is not done. Let me show the results here. Uh, but in the meantime, why don't you, you guys talk a little bit? Any, anything that st stood out in terms of the teams, the results that that you want to talk about a bit? Complexity. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. God, keep man. piling it Just on. Keep kicking the dead horse, dude. Jeez. Uh, Jason will go low uh, with with a uh, oh poor complexity. I'm gonna go high with. CLG, nobody yeah. had any faith in this team, myself included. I had zero faith in this team. Yet here they are in the second place in their group above LG Evil. I mean, there are three teams with a 3-2 scoreline, but they do the tiebreakers and a seeding based on map score and counterlogic gaming coming out of nowhere. Uh, I'm just glad. I'm really glad because, A, CLG is a really good brand. Uh, to be in the scene. We want them to be in, a, in the scene. We yes. want them to have a strong team. B, we just hadn't seen anything from these guys at all. Like We had just absolutely no data, no performances to base uh, uh, our expectations on. But congrats, man. They, they did it. Uh, yeah. I think another storyline for me is just like everyone in this meta right now is playing these dive comps. The one team that seems to be sticking to their Trident 2, Reinhardt, and Roadhog strategy is Selfless Gaming, who is 5-0 in their group. So everybody is going Pharaoh Mercy, Tracer, Winston, Soldier, most of, you know, that's the core of those most of those teams. Uh, but here you go, Selfless, proving that you don't need to jump into that dive cut. What? Well, why are you making that face at me, Jason? 
Because that's like the exact comp they ran during the entire Overwatch Monthly Melee. Selfless? Yeah, no, they ran Sinatron Tracer and Defranon Soldier. They do it 50% of the time. The other okay. 50%, they do their standard Roadhog, Roadhog uh, yeah. Reinhardt okay. strategies. Yeah. It's not so dog. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna I'm gonna go low twice here. Actually, I'm gonna do a double punch. <laughs> oh nuts. damn! Complexity zero five. Come on, what the hell? We already talked about them. I'm gonna I'm gonna undercut what Fishstick said about CLG. Look at their group. What competition do they really have in their group besides LG Evil and Selfless? Come on, two easy wins for Scale Force and Complexity. Like, how do you lose those games? And it automatically puts them like in the top four. That's I'm just gonna undercut them and say, hey, yeah, I mean, we haven't seen them since E League, but. They're not really playing the hardest of groups, so I'm sorry. I'm sorry to be like the the a hole here, but that's that's my opinion on them. I want to see them play. All right, let's get them against Rogue. Let's get them against you know Selfless some more. Let's get them against a lot more of these top NA teams and see how they perform. Well, at least they're not my, losing right for, uh, so they're not. At least they're not losing. I mean, they're not at the bottom of the bucket to begin with. All right, so yeah, we haven't seen them. They could start off terribly. They're starting middle of the pack. I think that you know th- there's something to be said about that. You know they. They're at least starting in a spot where we, they they can set themselves up to maybe have some upsets and actually make it you know make some kind of run in this tournament by just having one upset versus I don't know something like Game Force at this point. Which I'm not saying I want to do, see them do bad. I want to see them excel. I want to see them perform. But yeah. I'm, I personally don't want to like overhype them yet until I actually see some like convincing big wins from them. You know? Sure. That's sure. just me. Um, I mean, one thing I'll say about the um, the results, and I didn't catch every single match, but I did catch one of LG Evil's matches. I have to say, man, like I feel like LG Evil, and we actually have a, a a viewer that asked a question that has something to do with this. I feel like they're on the way down. You know, like all these NA teams, man, they have their highs, and their highs are like really good. But man, when they start getting on that 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 fall, a little bit of a fall, they just they just continue sliding, you know, like I don't see a recovery that's like between maybe just one event, they have a not so great showing and then, you know, kind of recover the next event and LG evil for me right now should, I mean, they should be behind selfless in my opinion, you know, it should be like four one, they should have just lost to selfless selfless. But, you know, we saw them drop another match uh, recently and, you know, they're tied now with CLG and rise nation. And from what I saw, you know, the, a month ago, they're better than that something's going on and the meta hasn't really changed that much they they're a dive comp type of team no they were they're having the most success with dive comp yeah. before the winston buff right so so if something's going on there whether people are figuring them out or they're just struggling in some way i still i feel like they haven't really f- found their identity again since they were known as Camry sports playing like the quad tank setup like they we, we had jake on they were saying yeah, we just we we ran quad tank because it was the best comp at the time, and we did it, and we did it, and we did it. We got so good at it that we could beat people who are playing quad tank. And now they've had to like transition a little bit. I you see Jake flexing with so many different heroes. You still see Vol doing it as well. Like they haven't been able to lock down the comp that works for them a hundred percent against a lot of these other teams. Because even you know back then um, at the end of the month in melee, they weren't necessarily against like selfless caliber teams. They, I'm not saying you know Evil was bad at all. They're still a great team, but they just haven't been able to maybe like lock down what they can run and what works really well for them yeah also too just the general feeling i get when i'm watching them and when they're not playing well is that um, you know I, I have a feeling that the teams are just focusing a lot more on jake now too because a lot of it rides on his success and we see that with other teams too but um particularly lg evil i feel like if you shut down jake you shut down that team consistently you know every so often we'll, you know and some of the other guys will will 
be able to make up for it on, on a map or like on a control map, maybe, maybe just get a point from that. But generally speaking, if you take care of him, especially early in fights, it's just over. Like they just, they just run over LG evil. And we've been seeing that more and more lately when that wasn't happening before. So hopefully they can, you know, kind of rebound from that. Cause I felt like they were a team on the rise and now obviously they've plateaued and even fallen a bit there. Well, don't worry, Chris, if, uh, if we can look at these trends and make any guesses about the future, selfless will have their huge, uh, uh, downhill fall <laughs> yeah, any second. Now it's next week that's or the week true. after they're going to just fall like a rock. Apparently. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I'm enjoying watching Sinatra and the friend like more and more every time I get a chance to, to watch the, the selfless games. Um, you know, I guess we didn't really round out EU because the EU groups I think finished too in between when we yeah. had last um, our last show. Uh, what do you guys think about Misfits right now? Obviously, Misfits is still undefeated, but I, I did get a chance to catch a couple of their matches, and I have to say they were close. And I don't know if it's so much that the other teams are playing great, or if Misfits just is playing to the level of play that they're playing against more so than what they're capable of. So want to get your thoughts on that, particularly you, Jason, since you follow those teams a lot more. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, I, I was actually really, I mean, 5-0 doesn't tell the tale of mm -hmm. counterfeit for them because they had a 2-1 against Hammer Esports. <laughs> yeah. They had a 2-1 against X Super alternate attacks. So already 2-1s against the two bottom teams. And they had also had a 2-1 against Dinitas. Uh And Dinitas, who... I feel like barely scraping by kind of shows that something's going on within the Misfits side. I mean, they've been back for a while since from Korea. They've been practicing. They've been scrimming like every single day. I think Tavik even tweeted off that they had finally one day available, like free, and he spent that playing Diablo all day. You know, that's what he does. He's a gamer nerd. Um, I don't know. I, I feel like there's 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 two aspects to it. Like, I feel like you kind of got a really good analogy in there. They're kind of playing to the level of the teams they're against. Um, like even in Korea, I feel like they're doing a little bit better than they're currently doing here against these teams. But I don't know, maybe like the vacation, maybe they're not really too focused. Maybe they're looking at higher expectations. It's still a 5-0 of the group, but again, it's not necessarily the strongest group EU could put out against them. Well, they've, they've been switching around their roles a little bit, right? Um, yeah, that was just recently. You had uh, Zebesai and Nevix kind of switching. Nevix, he was known as an insane DPS player. Uh, wasn't I think he was he was like the highest ranked person on the ladder for a little while, uh, but he was playing support primarily for a little while. Um, Zebosai obviously no slouch either, uh, but his experiments with Widowmaker haven't really really panned out so far for Misfits. So Zebosai is now switching, at least for the time being, back to a support. Nevix moving into DPS, which a lot of people think makes a lot of sense, but it's going to take some time. Yeah, and I, I to your point, I think that might have been something that stuck out to me whenever they were playing hammers too. I think Nevix wasn't wasn't quite you know playing probably at the you know just at least the the level that I expect from Nevix, uh, where you know Manitans and and Tavik I think were playing fine, but you know anytime I think Nevix would get taken out earlier or or just make some type of mistake, I felt like that was when they were most vulnerable, and maybe they even dropped a map at times. So I think you have something there. I, I think it's just going to take a little bit more time to to adjust. I was just shocked, you know, like, I just feel like Misfits should be crushing everybody over in that group. I mean, it shouldn't even be close, uh, at least on paper. So um, it, watching even just some of the little little sloppiness that I just don't expect from them, it's it's just surprising. Hopefully they'll get that, you know, uh, maybe a little bit more focus going into uh, the playoffs, which or whatever the next group, uh, whatever the next stage is. It's probably some kind of bracket stage, right, after this. 
Um, well, or does, yeah, does playoffs, double elimination playoff. Okay, so Panicky up against SNG, Riders up against Vivi's Adventure, United against Dittitas, and Misfits against Laser Kittens. Okay, there you go. Ooh, that should be fun. Laser Kittens and Misfits first round will be be a good one. Uh, we still have Group 2, though, for NA before that, and that's uh, FaZe, LG Loyal, uh, Tempo Storm. I'm kind of curious to see that team. TL, you guys get paid. I don't actually know too much about that team. And then Rogue. You know anything about you guys get paid? Nothing. Actually, oh God, I used to know. It used to be <laughs> in my brain. Yeah, they okay. beat... Okay, hold on. Let me let me pull this up. Because they beat a team that was trying to qualify. They beat Fnatic. Yeah, they beat Fnatic, I remember, in the qualifiers for counter. Oh, nice. Okay. Um, that's how they kind of got here. Right. Um, that's, that's who they are. They beat Fnatic. Which I mean, we know Moffitt. team right now. Yeah. We know Moffitt and Psycho Waffle. Uh, Moffitt previously on Splice. Mm-hmm. And like Team Solo Mitt, like the, the funny version of um, TSM. And then Psycho Waffle, he was <laughs> on Method. So a couple of players with like some experience between them. Um, picking up some like relatively unknown guys. I don't really know Space, Perry Butcher, Mr. Squishy, or Silk Thread, but seem to be doing well. Okay. Uh, well, let's see how this plays out. This should be finished by the end of the week. Uh, so I think then by the next time we talk, we should be starting to it talk about playoffs. We'll be in the middle of the playoffs. Exactly, actually, right yeah. in the middle of the playoffs. So excited to see that. Uh, definitely tune into the uh, Overwatch Pit Championship, the the stream, which is... Where's the stream at? It's I'll link it's it. It's Overwatch Pit. It's the name of the stream. It's just Overwatch Pit? Okay. Yeah, yeah definitely check that out. The VODs are there, too, if you want to watch any of the previous matches. Um, meta discussion. Any, anything that you guys have noticed meta-wise that's different, than, except for what you mentioned with Selfless? I mean, that's that's the storyline for me right now, is how quickly Pharaoh Mercy has uh, kind of reappeared in the meta. Um, the Mercy buff probably had a small bit to do with it. I think it, it's actually more so because of uh, the Winston barrier buff. Um, as someone that plays a fair amount of Winston and Pharah, having that Winston barrier up is a complete game changer. Um, you know, it, it allows you so much more room and flexibility to to work around points. Uh, so I think that's a, a big thing. And, and and this is another thing that we talked about a little bit with wins a few weeks ago, but has been bouncing around in my head is also the prevalence of Tracer. Uh, this this is not just on attack, not just on control, but attack and defense on all maps. We're seeing yeah. Tracer get play, uh, which, you know, if, a month ago I never would have expected, but now it's just the new normal. You see Tracer on defense on 2CP, on Assault, uh, on Payload. Like, you just see it all the time. Uh, so I, for me, th- these are the kind of the interesting things going on in the meta right now. But as mentioned before, you don't necessarily have to do this to win, as we've seen from teams like uh, Selfless, uh, who are sticking to their Ryan and their Roadhog. Yeah, Jason, that's my, that's any, my take. Any thoughts on... The just I guess this current state of tracer being played a ton because it's being played a ton in Korea too and just all across the board. Uh, um, it's yeah, mostly just due like to the dive comp prevalence. The yeah. fact that whenever you see tracer, like when we saw Sinatra at the uh, Overwatch every month in melee, he was like never focused because there was so much stuff happening with yeah. the franchise, with Soldier, with the Winston there. Like there's so much, so many things to focus on at one time. 
that you get so much freedom as a tracer. You get to build up the ultimates. You get to take one person on the fight almost every single time because you should have like a pulse bomb every single fight. Um, you just have so much freedom, and we're not being focused. Mm-hmm. You're not really gonna yeah. miss shots. There's no pressure on you. You're you're good to go. Um, the mercy. I'm kind of actually. I'm so curious why people forgot how to play against Mercy. It's like she was super in the meta with first fair Mercy. I can remember the whole the old meme of Luminosity with like it was. Uh, oh, who was it? it? Was in dust we trust? Uh, yeah, in dust, <laughs> all the memes, control. all the memes. Yeah, because they always get caught playing Mercy, but it seems like everyone just forgot how to do that now. And Mercy's get so much freedom. Not to mention the recent buffs that, as Ben pointed out, they can Guardian Angel away like quite often. Like you, it's really hard to be locked down uh, as a Mercy. And again, with dive comps, there's so much, so much stuff happening that it's really hard to focus a mercy down or focus, you know, such key targets like that. Mm-hmm. She heals like instantly too. Like, you know, if you're if it's you're like a gonna second. dive her, you literally have to be on her like the entire time because she'll instantly start healing. It's crazy. Um, all right, I, I think that's going to continue for a while. I just don't see that changing in terms of like balance and, and the meta and like you said with Sinatra I feel like every time I'm watching Tracer or their their POVing Tracer he's never even focused he's just doing whatever he wants and it's just a race to see who can wipe the other's front line before you know their other the other Tracer can and it, it's an interesting dynamic but it's so different than it was three or four months ago crazy okay oh uh, well um somebody put what energy's playing monthly melee I guess somebody yeah I just uh I came across this on the uh, competitive Overwatch subreddit. Apparently, Harblue announced on his stream that NRG will be playing in the okay. monthly melee, which uh, isn't in itself newsworthy, other than the fact that we haven't seen this new NRG roster play in anything yet. So, finally, yes. we get to see Harblue, IDDQD, Seagull, Dummy, Numlocked, Ajax. We're finally going to see this roster play, and uh, I know a lot of people in chat are going to be excited about that. So. Yeah. Can we just kind of look at the potential of what's going to happen here? They play, and no. then they get smashed by everyone. <laughs> I, I don't, I'm just saying, like, how hilarious would that be? It's not going to happen, but <laughs> it would be hilarious. I don't know why. Just, cause, like, they, just because they dodge so many tournaments because they, are not, they don't feel like they're ready, and they want to practice, and then they go into the first tournament and get smashed. I just, I just feel like this is Tiger Woods, man. It's like, he, is he playing a tournament? Is he not? He doesn't feel like he's good enough to play, and then when he plays, he doesn't do have a good showing and then he's out again for another few months again because of injury or whatever i, I hope it's not something like that well the thing is the teams they'll be playing against because i kind of already know the team list is not gonna be easy they'll be played against like top tier teams so okay it's well, a good challenge for them to see where they kind of stack up against the best yeah measuring stick good stuff Okay, well, why don't we give a quick shout-out to the folks that listen to us via audio podcast, and lots of those folks are from iTunes. So I want to give a shout-out to folks that have uh, given us five-star ratings as well as some nice messages because that helps us out a big in a big way. Folks can find the overview easier if uh, when they're searching for Overwatch podcasts if there are, you know, for at least our ratings or there's more ratings and they're higher and that, all that good stuff. So big shout-out to Big Deal Owen and Angry Birds Are Greedy. And if you guys want to help us out and you guys listen to the audio podcast, go ahead and go to iTunes and you can you can do that uh, by by looking for the show. You can do that also on Google Podcasts as well as SoundCloud too. I mean, you can follow the, the podcast and like it or whatever you want to do. Um, all right. Well, we got a few questions from some uh, some listeners, some fans of the show. Rishi, uh, Rishi B asks, why do you think the NA teams, <laughs> and specifically LG Evil, and that he mentions here fluctuate in performances so much 
is a complacency. While the Korean teams generally only improve or get worse over much larger periods of time. Is that true? Does the the Koreans? I mean, I feel like the Koreans fluctuate. Yeah, the Koreans fluctuate a ton. Yeah. Uh, we saw we saw that happen with the uh, Kangyu, both the Kangyu teams, Kangyu yeah. Panthera and Uncio, not making it as far as we thought they would. Um, so I don't think it's different from region to like we see a lot of teams go up and a lot of teams go down but we have talked about it on the show so he's definitely right we've talked about the fact that na we never know what's going on because one team looks absolutely completely dominant for two to three weeks and then the next two to three weeks we see them just kind of fall back to the middle of the pack we've seen it with immortals but they're they're kind of back up on top again we're seeing it happening right now it seems like with lg uh evil uh, and selfless uh, is certainly on the ascendance right now as well. Um, all of these teams, they, it's not like they drop into irrelevance. Uh, they, they still remain, you know, within the pack of the, the rest of the North American teams. Um, I don't know. I, I, hard to pinpoint one thing. I guess you could you could make the case that uh, they they get figured out. A lot of people in chat were saying, and we were saying as well that a lot of LG Evil's success is based off how ham Jake goes. So a lot of other teams are like pinpointing that and and trying to shut down Jake earlier on. That seems to have worked. So maybe that's it. But I don't know. What, what do you guys think? I'm gonna piggyback off that actually. I think there's there's two things to it. There's a meta changes like patch up patch updates. Mm -hmm, of course, cost teams to fluctuate from like first to last. Um, but also B. Each team learns the patch at different paces. So you have team A who instantly clicks. They're like, all right, we got the meta. And because they click so quickly with it, they can play it better than everyone else. But team you know, Z over here who takes them, you know, maybe a couple of weeks to finally figure out how to play correctly and get their skills up to par on the heroes that they need, that will eventually pass A because they have like the potential to be better than them. It just takes them a lot longer to figure it out. So I, I think yeah. there's a, just a lot of different speeds that, te that teams learn how to play the current meta or like the the most play compositions and then once they do they you know switch i think there's maybe even uh, potential for a little bit of burnout for some teams yeah uh, as well at the same true. time played so many tournaments so many scrims every day yeah i think that's cool I, I, that last point is really good too burnout is definitely a thing these guys play i mean some teams even scrim five six days a week and that that's a lot of overwatch it's a lot of being around the same people for hours and hours upon the day uh, and that, that can obviously reflect in your play. And when you lose once, right, we, people like us, we make a big deal out of it, right? <laughs> and it, it's, uh, it, it can be a lot of pressure and, and affect your play. So, um, maybe it's our fault guys. Maybe it's completely our fault that happens in Korea though. I think it's a little bit different. I mean, I think we have a little bit of the same, definitely patch changes that make a big difference, but I mean, we saw like, we're saying runaway, just make a huge push at the end of you know, Apex, this season of Apex, which, you know, but I don't know why that is. I don't think we had a huge meta change right at that moment. I think the meta change actually happened a little bit before that. So, you, you know, you have just teams magically come together, you know, like we had that with Envious, right? With Mickey. Mickey was like a magic element to their run last year. So um, just different things, different reasons. But overall, I would say burnout and and uh, figuring out the meta was, are probably the, the best ones that we listed there. Uh, next up, we've got uh, Nick D. He uh, asked a question. It's okay. This one's kind of a two-part here. It's uh, TLDR is why are players giving it a disadvantage for playing with friends and groups? There you go. There you go. On Rex, yeah. Yeah. Yep. That's I mean, easy. 
Okay, go that's, for it. That's a super easy answer. Because when you solo queue, there's no guarantee that every person in your game will communicate and or be able to play the heroes that you need. When you queue with multiple people, you're guaranteeing that two or three or four or five or six out of the group uh, will communicate with you 100% and also switch heroes when they need to, or they'll be able to fill a certain role. So thus, having those advantages on your side, you'll, be, you'll get queued against people of higher rating. Okay. I think that's like uh, the yeah. way to, to explain it. I mean, I'm conflicted because I, I totally understand the logic. In theory, if you're playing with a pre-made group, you could play with them every single day. Your teamwork could be on fleek. Everyone's got their roles down perfectly. You know, I only play this character, or this subset of characters. You only play those. In theory, at the same time, in practice, nobody six stacks. I mean, maybe they do at like lower ranks, but nobody I know six stacks. Or if you're from Brazil, trying to get top 500. Or you're trying to game <laughs> the system, yeah. Uh, nobody I know six stacks. None of the pro players ever six stack. Like when when a pro player is streaming and six stacking, it's like a miracle. Like everyone, it's like a a legendary moment that the subreddit <laughs> like freaks out and jizzes their pants over because it's so awesome. Because it is fucking awesome. Let's be honest. So I'm conflicted about this because I get it, but also I want to be able to six stack and not be penalized horribly for it. What happens half the time when you six stack is you end up. If you're not playing against another six stack, which does happen sometimes, you'll end up playing against a team that has like 100 or more plus SR advantage on average because it's the, the system is like, okay, you have this SR, but since you're a six stack, we're going to adjust it up. Uh, so it makes it really, really hard. And then you gain less SR and you lose more in those situations too. Double whammy. Yeah. So it's a double whammy and it makes it so nobody ever wants to six stack. So I'd like to be able to. I, th- I really would. I think it's tons of fun. So, anyway. I mean, my thoughts are, like, they shouldn't discourage playing with friends. And this is a way to discourage that from happening. Um, I know they're looking at it from the standpoint of whatever, trying to figure out what's most fair. But even that is still, you know, there's still a little gray element to it. Sure, like, somebody might not play the role that you want them to play, but they may play the role that they play just better, you know, like, than they would that proper role so like having to formulate that out i think is so gray that i think they shouldn't even do it at all um and i right now i have to actually contemplate i have to actually contemplate whether i want to you know like i do with my son all the time right it's like do we want to like triple because then then we're going to take a bigger (laughs) then we're going to be taking more of a hit and like do we really want to do that and the fact that i even have to think about that is terrible like I, i shouldn't have to do that you know and like right now i, I just want to play with friends and i there's been a, a couple times where i've actually avoided playing with friends just be purely because of that and i don't know i i think that's bad well, for their game the person who asked the question uh taiga is actually in chat and he said but why is it your fault that there are people who do not communicate in solo queue why not have communicating it would encourage it yeah mm-hmm. um well no the thing is ranked isn't really a hundred percent test of skill it's a test of your mental fortitude to keep grinding it out. Because there, no, because the thing is, there's no, games right, right, right. that you 100% get, you cannot possibly win in any world, in any universe, in any reality, because you have a guy purposely trying to lose, or you have a guy purposely only trying to play Junkrat, or, or Torbjorn. Like, there's just ways you cannot win games, and those are the games that test if you're going to keep grinding it out. 
And you ask any top player, any top 500 player, and the amount of trolls they've had in their games is ridiculous. Um, but it's a test yeah. of can you keep strong mentally to grind it out? Uh, it is, and it's made to be like that, right? Because they, they even have a, a mechanism that tries to get you from losing too many times in a row. So that game that you get as, as a freebie sometimes will, you know, who knows how they, they formulate that game. Uh, it's not necessarily just some, they don't give you like a, I think the SR balancing is still all very consistent. So if they give you a game that's supposed to be a softball, it's still SR like in the range of what it should be in terms of matchups, but it's obviously a weird collection of people. And we all get put in that weird collection of people like from time to time. And I think that's why we have those, those terrible games. Uh, so to your point, yes, it is supposed to be a grind. But at the same time, you know, again, it's not supposed to discourage you from wanting to play with other people and friends. And I think that's that's what happens. Like, what's the worst? Like, what what happens if they do it? Like, like, what's the worst thing that happens? To who does what? What's the worst thing that happens if like there's no no change to SR if you six stack and five stack and whatever three stack? I don't know. People only six stack. But is that even a is problem? that bad? I, I mean, is that actually a bad thing? I don't think. Well, you might as well is. just open a separate separate queue. Just do team ranked, and your SR yeah. is different in team ranked than solo queue ranked. Sure. Yeah. I mean, question, that's the question what is what... suggesting in chat. Yeah. To go full tilt mode here, because this happened to me today, and I'm totally gonna just rage on this for a second, make myself feel better. <laughs> okay. If you ever like two three men stack, and you're significant significantly lower than people in the game. Don't auto lock in DPS like an asshole. I I was grand okay grandmaster day forty one hundred playing. I had two diamonds queued with master players against a full stack of masters and grandmasters, and both of our diamonds instantly locked in DPS when I'm the only grandmaster on our rough. team. And I'm sitting there like, yeah, why do you have to be the asshole that instant locks DPS? It doesn't matter if yeah oh diamond is just a it's just an icon or whatever. Like I've proven to myself and to the game and to SR to be up that high because I can be able to play DPS at a level that necessarily you can't. So don't be that asshole that locks in well, DPS. Fill for your team. Don't be a C word. That's that's a general I think tip or a general advice is that I think when oh, I you feel better. Somebody that's really good. Generally having Jason. to play. <laughs> really Thing is, we won that game too, but I filled for the team as Zenyatta, and I even got play the game as Zenyatta because I'm just good. I throw my balls at people oh but just it's such a, a dick oh move you know God. but the thing is people okay. don't get punished for not caring people <laughs> who play whatever like i had a guy today no i had a guy yesterday oh god this asshole picks <laughs> this is just rant DPS. session here. No, no, no he picks one hero i can't remember the hero i think it was like soldier or something or genji and he's like a zarya main like every season sorry 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 most played hero and he said in game I don't care what you say to me. Like this is this is when we we're struggling to ask him to switch. I'm not switching up DPS. I'm not switching this hero. I'm only playing this guy. And that guy will never get punished. And it will cause you to lose the game. And it will cause you to be pissed off until this I don't know. Grind. I'm going. I don't know what the point of this. But <laughs> this is the grind you're talking about. This is exactly. You can only be so nice and fill for so long before you get people like this that just completely throw you on tilt. And then you do it. And then you start playing DPS only. And then you tilt more people. Yep. It's an endless cycle. It is a cycle. <sighs> it does happen. You just have to you know, not give in to it. So hopefully the, <laughs> the population or you don't start a, a cycle of doing it. Um, 
But I yeah, feel better. So it's a good anyways, therapy session. <laughs> good therapy session. Also, one last thing I'll say about it is that maybe it encourages, like if you didn't penalize people, maybe it encourages people to communicate better just because they know they're going, you know, they might be going in as a little bit of an underdog because there's, uh, you know, a three, threesome or a foursome that they're playing against. So um, it's just there's multiple ways to look at it. I just, I just hate that it discourages me from playing with friends. Okay, guys. Well, I, I think that's I think that's it for all the questions. If you guys are interested in, in writing this in next week, so we can read them out on the show, uh, go ahead and email those to the overview at chainmv.tv, and we will do that. But now it's time to wrap up. It's been a good good week of uh, just going over everything. We we thought it was going to be an hour show. Of course, it goes over by 15, 20 minutes <laughs> because we always have a crap load to talk about. But Jason, want to do some shout outs? Shout out to you two for being my uh, therapist every week and letting me <laughs> rant and rage. Um, shout out to my parents always every week. Shout out to my to yourself for letting me do what I do. Shout out to Blizzard for for making Overwatch. I'm just gonna end it there. I'm not gonna be mean to fish sticks this time. Wow, so nice yes. of you, Ben. Your turn to be mean to him. <laughs> Take your opportunity. Uh, do I, it. I, no, I can't. <laughs> I'm not a mean person. Uh, shout out to no no shout outs this time i got a plug uh yeah i'm commentating something yay yay uh so this is it's going to be a more minor event but this saturday on my channel twitch.tv slash fish sticks i'm going to be commentating i think alongside s joshi but i need to clarify that with him i'm going to be commentating the meltdown city clash oh yeah Uh, so if you guys don't know what meltdown is it's a esports bar uh, brand. What's the word for it? Uh, they, it's a, it's a, fran- it's a chain. franchise. Chain. Yes, there you go. Yeah, yeah, franchise. Yeah. Uh, so they have. I, I'm actually looking at the map now. They have like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. They have like twenty to twenty-five bars. Uh, almost all of them are in Western Europe. Uh, there's three in North America, um, but they're they're located all across Western Europe, and they are esports bars. So they actually have this event where. Uh, they had teams play at the bars themselves to qualify for a finals, which is going to take place uh, within awesome. the Meltdown ecosystem. So the final, the grand finals is, uh, it's going to be, oh man, I had it two seconds ago and then I closed it on accident. Uh, but it's going to be Budapest from Hungary, uh, the, the Budapest uh, Meltdown bar versus, I That's can't cool. remember the name of the city, Grum. So it's a French city. Crow, grass, something. Uh, anyway, I'll, I'll figure that out. So uh, I'm not expecting like the craziest, highest level games ever, but uh, it's uh, Gr- okay, zoom in. Grenoble. There you go. That's the name of the city in France. So Grenoble versus Budapest. Uh, I'm not expecting the the best, highest level games ever, but hopefully never know. it should be fun and gonna, yeah. gonna getting an opportunity to cast because I never do anymore. So. Uh, it's going to be on my channel. Uh, shout out to Meltdown cool. for allowing this to happen. And uh, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter for more of my shenanigans. I've been streaming a bit lately. So yeah, you can follow me on Twitch and Twitter at Fishsticks. Yeah, those, those kind of events are awesome. I mean, just, you know, kind of blending more, you know, casual gathering type of thing. You know, like Meltdown itself is like an esport gathering, um, you know, franchise and place. <laughs> 
And not, not only that, you can drink and have, have a good time, but kind of combining all those things are, are really, really cool. Just adding tournaments and where you can represent each other, you know, represent a city and things like that. That's really, that's really great. I just, just wish like, someone would open a meltdown in, in SF. That would I be can't nice. believe there's not one. Like, yeah, it seems anyway, like a, you can get a license to open a bar in any city uh, and they help you like get started with marketing and all that. So. Yeah. I'm surprised Twitch doesn't have something and it's just live stream 24-7 from like a camera in the corner. We, we talked about it. Really? You can, yeah, well, like Kevin, a Shia LaBeouf Kevin loves thing. the idea of like getting a brick and mortar <laughs> store at one point, but... Whoa, yeah. brick and mortar store. Okay, that, that could be interesting. Like a bar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A brick and mortar bar. Okay. That's oh, okay, what I okay. meant to say. <laughs> I was going to say, you're going to sell Twitch merch. That's all you're going to do no. there? No. Oh, God. Okay. No. That would be kind of cool if you could do that and then just rotate a bunch of different games in there and stuff. That'd be cool. Uh, I'll round these out. Thanking the two of you guys, of course, for doing the show this week. It's always a great time, as always. And everybody that for watching, you can always find the VODs for the show on YouTube.com slash including this one, which I'll be posting in an hour or two. Um, you can, again, find the show on a bunch of audio channels, iTunes, Google Podcasts, as well as SoundCloud, just by going and searching for the overview. You'll pretty much sound, find it instantly if you do that. And um, follow the show's Twitter account at the overview GG. That's where you usually post, like, at least the first announcement. I always end up posting it just on my normal one, which is Shaman V, but uh, as we're leading up to the show. But the big announcement normally is, is there, so you can follow that there. Um, but that's going to be it, guys, for the overview this week. So for Jason Kaplan, Fish Sticks, and myself, Chan Man V. We'll see you next week. Later. Peace.